I think it's that thing that makes you sort of snap and say, fuck it. You know what? I am going to be who I am. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to speak. We live in a network of mutual dependence with the people around us. I think people who go through these significant bottom moments find that if they can reach within themselves and use the people around them, they're capable of incredible change. I did have this inner feeling that I know I can do this. I just know I can. Happy 2024, everyone. You just heard some of the brave badasses that told their stories on The Breakout in 2023. And on this episode, we're celebrating the new year by looking back at some of our favorite guests last year. So settle in with us to revisit these amazing stories and hear why they've stuck with us for so long. Welcome to the New Year's edition of The Breakout. The Breakout is a show about smashing through life's little boxes and forging your own path. I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. And I'm Kelly Gunther. Carrie and I are people and change experts and best friends. We've spent more than 25 years helping organizations navigate change and get the best out of their people. Come on, we know change is hard, but staying the same can even be harder. On The Breakout, we prove that you can escape expectations, and best of all, we show you how. Happy New Year. Oh my God, it's good to be on the other side of the holidays, isn't it? Yes. While I love the holidays and I love the reflection, it can be too much of a good thing. Usually eating, not exercising for me. So I do love a brand new year though. So much possibility. I've always loved a brand new year. It's like a brand new blank sheet of paper. So many things can happen. Absolutely. And we have a ton of stuff coming up in 2024, including our book, I know. Kelly and I have been working on this new book, and we're thrilled that it is going to come out in June 2024. So it's called Whatever the Hell You Want, and it's all about smashing expectations. And a few of our guests are in the book as well. So we've loved looking back at all of our guests from our show. There were so many stories, and can you believe that since we've relaunched the show as the breakout last year. We've made 24 episodes in 2023. Wow. And I feel like we probably have dropped about 753 F-bombs. I don't know. I I still don't think we have explicit on our rating, but maybe we could get there soon enough. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not that many F-bombs, but 24 episodes for sure we've released. And that is something worth revisiting. Agreed. So Kelly and I took a look at 2023. And then we looked deep, deep, deep into our hearts and souls to figure out which shows really spoke to us. And it turns out that they all did. Seriously, they (laughs) all did. But there are some moments that really stood out for both of us. And we're excited to share those with you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Because it is true. It's like picking your favorite child. But other than that, we do have some ones that stood out for certain reasons. So one of the ones that I have a special soft spot for is our very first episode on The Breakout with Will Sampson. Not only was it the first Kelly, so that's just kind of cool because it's the first one, but he has both, right? He's a social scientist and a change coach, and he had a life crash Everything fell apart for him after a drinking and driving incident, and he had to pull everything back together and re-examine 
his entire life. I was living in a community of people who loved me. I was married. I had kids who loved me. There was nothing that was actually true about the stories I was telling myself. But because we're so capable of deceiving ourselves, we often live in those narratives. If you remember the old horror movie meme, the caller is inside the house, you know, the landline rings and the person picks it up and they realize the villain that they're afraid of is on the upstairs extension back when we had landlines. He was so clear on, you have to understand the self-talk and how you can be your own worst enemy. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot, Kelly. We're probably harder on ourselves than anyone else. I mean, we're the, we're our own worst critics at times. And so that he brings that out and that clip is so appropriate for all, a lot of the breakouts that we have is you're, you are your own worst enemy. How can you talk to yourself in a much kinder, gentler way? Mm-hmm. There's nothing like hitting rock bottom and being your own worst enemy to kind of put things in perspective. You know, he was uncomfortable enough to where he did want to make a change. And he was surrounded by people who loved him and could help him guide himself through that. So it was a really profound episode. Plus, he's our first. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. What's not to love about Will? I know. And another person who kind of amazed me was Tyler Nahila. Tyler was up against so much from a very young age. He was diagnosed with ADHD. Then he got into selling drugs. He proceeded to get in trouble with police. And then he made a decision at a young age that he didn't want to be that guy living a life of being in trouble all the time. So his philosophy was one that was really fantastic and really resonated with me. Being a hero, I think that's very important. And being your own hero, I think is very important. If you start to take action, even if it's like messy action, like really, really sloppy, terrible work, like it's fine. You're still like taking action and eventually it'll get better and better and better. Yes, I love the messy action. I say that one because you kind of know the guests that make an impact because you speak like them or you grab their phrase. And I think I have used messy action probably a couple times just in the past week at work. I said, listen, it's just an action. Even if it's messy, it's okay. We're at least taking an action. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that messy action is so cool. I think also what I loved about Tyler Kelly is, especially be a mother of a boy, And as much as you try to tell your boy to be vulnerable and show emotion, and there's so much societal pressure that they don't do that. And so Mm -hmm. for Tyler to be in that very masculine space of working out and being ripped and all that kind of gym culture, then to talk about mental health was amazing because it's already hard to talk about mental health for a lot of people. And then I think Mm -hmm. it's extra hard for men And especially then men who are really working out and showing that very masculine kind of stereotype. So I thought that was amazing that he is so open and honest about who he is and what he's gone through and trying to help others. He's just such a, he's just a badass. He certainly is. But you know who wins gold for badassery. I don't even think that's a word, Kelly, but we're just going to keep going with the badass because maybe that should be the new title of the book. I could hear the publishers yell at us now. But who else do you think? I think I know who you're going to say. 
You know it. It's Patrice D'Amato. I couldn't get enough of her. Talk about like really breaking all expectations. This is a woman who spent years as an abortion care nurse, walking through protesters to get to work every day, worrying about her life being threatened because of the work she does. And she realizes that everyone needs to examine their belief system about this. So she does an incredible amount of research about the history of abortion and writes a book about what it's like to do this work. What really interested me was that for hundreds of years, no one considered it a problem to terminate a pregnancy until there was quickening, until the woman felt the fetus move. Abortion was fine. Fine. It was moral. It was okayed by everybody. There's ads in the paper, you know, for you to get your abortions. It was perfectly fine until only in the last 150 or so years, the late 1800s, really the turn of the century was when it's people started to say, I think it's immoral. And what happened was the American Medical Association formed. And one of the first things they did was medicalize um, pregnancy and childbirth and say, well, we cannot have these witchy midwife people doing God knows what with our fine, upstanding white suburban wives. The birth rate was dropping and they were getting very concerned. It was actually interestingly targeted towards upper middle class white wives. So one of the first things they did was they they medicalized pregnancy and childbirth and abortion and they put into place the Comstock laws, which forbid any practicing healthcare provider to speak about birth control or pregnancy termination. So that is how it slowly infiltrated our culture. So I think with Patrice Kelly, one of the most interesting things was around learning the history of abortion. As a female, kind of took it for granted. You don't realize that maybe history looked at it differently and we've changed things. And I thought that was really powerful because it just reminds me all the time to, you know what you know right now in this space, but like what was the history and what led up to it and do some more digging. I thought that was really powerful. And I do not look at abortion and the history of the abortion the same way because of what Patrice has told us. Yeah. If anything, it's about just continually sleeping educated, which in our society isn't always something people appreciate being educated <laughs> Really? Doesn't feel like it. So it just makes you appreciate the journey that it's taken. And unfortunately, the struggles that we continue to face going forward. Yeah. And I think too, it makes, you know, Kelly and I, we like to ask the question, why? (laughs) And this just, this episode just reminded me of keep asking like, well, why did it get that way? Like ask the question, why did that come up? Why are you saying this? Not only do I remember the history part and thinking, once again, goes back to muddy. People, the doctors were like, wait a second, we can't have the midwives to do all this. We need to regulate it so we could be the ones who make money off of it. But even her expectations of who's getting abortions and kind of when you walk in, you think it's a certain person. And then to realize like all the stats that you think you might know are wrong and it's more prevalent than you think. So... Just dig in a little bit more. And so I just love that, that that she helped us with that and put that front of my mind again. Yeah, it, her, her story had me on the edge of my seat the entire time, in part because 
it's just a, a, a world that we don't live in. We know very little about. And for her to be so candid and honest about what happens and just the expectations that, that she had to kind of work within, but also the vulnerability that comes from working in that field. I just think healthcare workers in general don't get enough credit for the work that they do. And then you're talking about the most vulnerable, you know, times of your life that you are making a critical decision about how you're going to to plan the rest of your life. It's not easy. And she's there when people have to make some of these toughest decisions literally in their life. And then having to be faced with the barrage of of protesters and, and people questioning why she does what she does. And the hate that can come from that conversation, too. It was an incredibly inspirational story and one that I will not soon forget. The fact that she is taking a risk with her own life because there are some people who really dislike what she does puts her in the gold medal status of badass. So she's amazing. You know who else I learned a lot from is Dr. Brian Davidson. Brian was so curious about how successful people functioned that he developed his own assessment to figure out how their minds worked. And so he ended up learning some really surprising things about what success really means to people. And fortunately, we had the opportunity to actually take the assessment and we participated in a live debrief of our results. So... What was also really cool was learning about his advice for people who are feeling stuck that he shared with us. I would encourage them to think about the four key questions regarding the concept of Ikigai. And this is a Japanese concept all about the reason why you get up out of bed in the morning. And those four questions are, what do you love to do? Number one. Secondly, what are you good at doing? Third, what does the world need out there that gives you a sense of purpose and belongingness? And then fourth, what can you do to earn a living and get paid, rewarded, compensated to give you the, the quality of life that, that you want to live? Find that common answer to those four key questions. Uh, that's going to give you a sense of why. That's going to be your sense of purpose. And I think that can really drive people to a high degree. That's kind of the heart of it, isn't it? What do you love? What can you do to help the world? And how can you make a living at it? I love that. That's what we try to do, Kelly. That's what we try to align ourselves. Anytime we can be more intentional about figuring out our purpose in life and making choices that help us align to that purpose, uh, I think is a win-win. I think we're his first and perhaps only at this point, (laughs) people who debrief the assessment (laughs) live. It was really fascinating to go through what's your mind like and have those insights and you know, we could have talked to him for probably two more hours on just the mind and mind mapping and what he's learned. And for us, Kelly, to take that risk. And that's why I love you, Kelly. You always say you don't like change. But when I say, hey, I have an idea after you vomit and go, God bless, she has another (laughs) one. I said, what if we did a live debrief? And you're like, cool, that's great. And you like jump right in and you take the assessment and then we take the assessment and then he tells us we have no integrity. No, I just, (laughs) at least me, you have integrity, Kelly. But to do that, it's all on a, like a high wire, right? Without a net. So I love that we could do that together, Kelly. That's part of the reason that I agree with you, Brian, is was one of the memorable episodes because we got to do that assessment and debrief it together. And then also just the fact that he's so curious about how why people are successful, what do they do? 
and he created an assessment. And I just think that's that's amazing. You know, it goes back to the Will Sampson that we were saying, you have to watch yourself talk. And I think through the assessment as well, I kind of had some insights on my self-talk still that I guess I'm not as nice as I could be to myself on certain things. So, so I appreciated doing that assessment with him and you, Cal. That brings me to the one last bonus favorite guest that both Kelly and I had on our list. And in many ways, he personifies Ikigai as well as a real breakout. It's our criminal lawyer turned clown, the one and only Robert Markowitz. And I will have to say, it always makes me happy to say criminal lawyer turned clown. That's like just one of the best sentences ever. Criminal lawyer turned clown. <laughs> yeah, he was he was beyond wonderful. Wasn't he? I just love the way he told his story, how he was just dying inside working as a lawyer. And that's really what destroys people. It's burying who they really are and trying to be someone they're not. I never notice my environment. I never notice what anybody's wearing, you know, but... I couldn't stand the color of the rug in the law office. All of a sudden, it was just, I couldn't stand it. It was just like, and I was never like that. I, I usually don't care if I'm in a room with, you know, that's complete disarray. It doesn't bother me at all. But I couldn't stand the color of the rug. That was a clue. And then I had started to volunteer working at a church's Sunday service uh, childcare thing. And a girl was playing Duck, Duck, Goose, and she slipped and she cut herself. And for some reason, she leapt into my arms crying. And I had this moment where I was like, wow, there is more to life than that little square that I've been trapped in for years now. It just really affected me. When he described the the moment the child jumped into his arms, I could almost, I could visualize it. Yes. When you could see that switch flip in him where he realized this is what I was meant to do. Despite the fact that the way he went about doing it, going to kind of an underground clown school <laughs> was uh, slightly odd. I don't know that I would have chosen that direction. Oh, you would have, you, you'd have been dead, Kelly. You would have yeah, been slaughtered. Yeah. It would have been a, a Dateline show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A cold case, maybe. A cold case. But, but the, the belief that he had in himself and the desire and the motivation to change his career and his profession because of that moment and just because he wanted to be happy, he wanted to, to live a life and have a career that truly allowed him to to be his happy self is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He is. It's almost like we went to central casting in Hollywood and said, take all the lessons we are trying to give and put it kind of in a fun wrapper and mm -hmm. unbelievable. And you're like, how about this criminal lawyer turned clown? You're like, that's it. That's that will catch people's attention. And he just, it's, it's so beautiful where he ended up, but such a struggle and losing friends and disappointing his family. And also the, when I realized when he said that moment where he's, when he said, um, you know, I, I tell people I'm going to Duke law and the questions stop. 
And so that, like, the how much we make up in our heads, too. If someone says, oh, I'm going to become a doctor, you know, I'm going to become a medical doctor, I'm becoming a lawyer, you're like, oh, that's great, good for you. And we just assume that's what they wanted to do. And, like, that's great. And how the questions stop. And so I think he has such good lessons. I know my husband has listened to his episode a couple times, and he's trying to figure out how to weave in some of the lessons from Robert in his classroom to high school students about kind of being who they are and choosing a career that will bring you joy. So really impactful. Criminal lawyer turned clown. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Robert. There were... So many more guests we could have chosen. I mean, honestly, we could choose from every single one and we could tell you something memorable. But Marion, our producer, had to cut us off because that's how it goes. Usually she cuts us off because we just keep going on and on and we say ridiculously dumb things and she puts in one or two of them in the episode. But every guest has really given us something to really chew on, think about, and integrate into our lives. So The good news, though, is that you can dig into past episodes yourself and find your own favorites from 2023. Plus, there's way more to come in 2024. That's right, Cal, 100%. There are lots of great breakouts coming your way, and we're always looking for new stories, so tell us what you want to hear more of. You can write us a review, tell us in any of our socials, or contact us on our website, drop us a note there. This is The Breakout from Abracci Group. At Abracci Group, we specialize in coaching and consulting for brave new directions. Connect with us at abracigroup.com. And don't forget to subscribe to The Breakout so you never miss a new episode. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Breakout Pod. I'm Kelly Gunther. And I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. See you next time. 